On tonight's episode of another OU Football Podcast, my name is Joe Benner. I am joined by senior sports columnist Clay Horning. Get that Clay. title right, man. Clay, how are you doing? It's uh, it, I, it would take too long to tell, but um, I'm doing just fine. That's this a, was pretty good opening night. It's a fiery intro. It is opening night here at Owen Field. OU beats Houston 49-31. Sooners open up with a big win on a Sunday night. I don't know if it's really a huge win in the grand scheme because we kind of thought last year that, oh, that OU defense looks pretty good against FAU, group of five contender. And there's a lot to kind of break down about this game, and we'll start here. Sure. It was a huge opening night for Alabama transfer Jalen Hurts, who went crazy. You know, all- you want me to tick through it because I just wrote a column about it, and it's 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 if you just watch the game and just listen to the telecast, it's better than you think it was. Have Have you seen? An opener, an opener, or a debut quite like Jalen had in your years of covering OU football? Oh, you know, I, I want to say Sam Bradford maybe completed his first 15 or 16 passes opening day. I want to say it was against North Texas. Can't recall exactly. It's like 77 um, to 10 or something like that. Um, I want to say that uh, even opening day, and now I want to say it was Indiana State, but I'm not sure that Josh Heupel kind of knocked our socks off because we'd never seen OU throw the ball like that. Um, and Jason White, too, uh, similar to Bradford, uh, you know, completion percentage, you know, off the charts. Uh, but can you give me one minute to go on what Jalen Hurts did, put it in context? Can tell I do us. that? Okay. Tell us, tell us. He completed 20 of 23 passes. That's 87% if you're rounding to one decimal. It's 87 on the nose. Um, he'd never done that before in his life. In any game, he'd thrown more than seven passes. He was once 7-7 seven seven against Mercer. Who cares about Mercer? He uh, threw for, I think the final number is 332, which was more than he's ever thrown for in his life. He also ran, I believe, the numbers for 176 yards, which was more than he'd ever run for in his life. So he did that both on the same day. One of the lines in my column was, so on the first day he was a Sooner, he was better than he'd ever been at Alabama, period. Um, he also add those together. I'm for 332, 176. It's five something. He also ran for three touchdowns. Threw for three touchdowns. He had a fumble. That's the only real mark against him. But add that up. It's five. It's 500 something. And uh, two other players had ever had more off- offense from scrimmage in a game ever. Uh, and that's Baker Mayfield, who did it three times, and. Uh, Landry Jones, who did it once. Um, The greatest quarterback of OU history, Landry Jones. (laughs) Most prolific, because he's all they had, but no, hardly the best. Um, And so he was historically good on his opening night. And uh, the first touchdown he threw, I think it was the first one. It might have been his second. It was... OU's second touchdown. It was to CeeDee Lamb. He did that stepping up in the pocket when things were breaking down around him. It was like, you know, a quarterback's the kind of it was the kind of thing you see when a quarterback has polish. He did that. Um, he also completed a pass to ten different receivers and he had reached that mark of ten by the end of the third quarter. And it it wasn't eight games. It wasn't until eight games into last season against Kansas State that Kyler Murray completed a pass to 10 different players. And in some ways, spreading it out like that through the first three quarters is more impressive 
than all those career highs I just gave you because it's his first time with these players surrounding him. And the last thing I sort of threw in my column, and I don't want to kill you know people reading my column, but is that um, I, I think we came in here saying if, if Jalen Hurts can be as good as the playmakers they're going to put around around him, OU is going to be very good offensively. Instead, now it is the challenge of his teammates to, his be, to be as good as he was tonight because he's set the bar. He's in front of them. That's how good he was tonight. And they, they did not beat the spread. They, did, they left some points out on the field. That is all true. But the capabilities they offered with him as their quarterback were off the charts. There are some people that lost some money tonight because OU kind <laughs> some of... Some Sooner fans. <laughs> some Sooner fans probably lost some money tonight. The spread, I think, kind of finished around 22. And it did feel like OU you know, took their foot off the pedal, so to say. But in this opener for Jalen Hurts, which... You know, for all he is as a quarterback and all, I think the concerns that he had going in, I think for what he was, he was super serviceable. And one of the other things that I noticed... Serviceable is almost like a slight, given the way he played. Not, beyond not, a, that, sli- not a slight by any means, but... I know you don't I'm, mean it that way. I'm still... Yeah. I, I still think there is some, at least, credit to the fact, can Jalen make big throws in big games? Because looking at some of his throws, he had one that uh, to, to Charleston Rambo that went for 56 yards, but it was an easy slant route that would have, you know, moved the chains, but it was more Rambo beating defenders and, you know, speeding downfield. But for the opener that he had, I thought he, he played great. And one of the other things I think that's going to get lost in this, uh, you know, because Jalen Hurts was the story of the night. You saw, you know, post-game, it was, it was about Jalen. He wears a, a mean suit, too. He, he wears a great suit. That was one of the things I noticed going into this one. I ventured out. Um to the walk of champions which great name but it was uh you know the players walk in and they battle through the crowds of trying to get into the stadium and jalen hurts it's like comes the beatles in. yeah they he walks in with a suit he was one of two players with a suit patrick fields also patrick came fields, in look at that he was wearing the jacket too jalen did not have the jacket on as he entered the stadium but uh jalen had a really good debut but the one thing that i think is going to get overlooked is honestly how well the running backs played in particular Trey Sermon looked like he took a big step in terms of he had the highlight play and jumping over a Houston literally jumping over a Houston defender but he looks like a more complete running back and the other part of it is is that this offensive line did not did not look like it was replacing four starters especially NFL guys that went to the NFL draft yeah I guess that's true I was caught up uh watching Jalen most of the night I will say though that you know, through the first half, the rushing attack was primarily Jalen and not. Uh, he ran not, the ball a lot. For yeah, a ran the ball a lot, and I'd say maybe half of them were designed and half of them weren't. Uh, one other thing, I I'll get back to offensive line and stuff, but he did not lose any yards rushing. Jalen Hurts, and he uh, managed to do that even while he was scrambling for several of those carries. So anyway, made good decisions in the pocket, was able to get away when he could get away. Um, and but I would say that's right. I, I don't. I, I it, it didn't blow me away. Holes opened for running backs, but OU was good on the ground. I think that. Uh, uh, I, I I feel like Trey Sermon. Um, you know, going even going back two years, where it was began by a committee, wasn't the first guy in that committee. It was he was never supposed to be the first guy in that committee last season either. But I've, I mean, I feel like he's come a long way over time already. What he did tonight to me is just sort of who he is. Although, yes, that leap was kind of spellbinding. And I'll throw out a reference. Uh, I don't remember. How many people remember Terry Metcalf with the St. Louis Cardinals in the 70s 
But that is the last guy I can remember in the NFL that would occasionally jump over a guy. Maybe His son, some... Eric, never quite did it. It was a very good running back for the Cleveland Browns. I but... hope there's some people that get that reference because a look, oh, into, they will. A look into me and Clay's relationship, he just throws out random players from the 70s and will tell me about backup quarterbacks and from like 1965 and yeah. I just kind of nod my head in approval. But I do want to talk about... Go ahead. What I do want to talk about the offensive line just as far as... I don't think they gave up a sack. If they did, it was probably one. No, but, but I, I mean, Jalen ran away from a few, but no, they didn't allow one and it helps when you have a guy like creed humphrey who's going to be in the nfl one day but we're going in i believe it was marquis hayes tyrese robinson adrian ely and then you saw both rj proctor and eric swenson and it never really looked like it took any dip it this seemed, is where you're totally adding to the podcast because i could not have told you their names and, I, I, I and love, that, I, not to be that guy i love you're watching the host them. as well, I, well so you're like, necessary but. well the thing is is like i and i know this is a very acquired taste i love offensive line play i love watching well, it did you was that did you play? i was an offensive okay. lineman yeah. that's that's probably why i did not play i was just a smart guy talking about it but two yeah. bishop mcginnis grads just <laughs> i didn't play at mcginnis but uh but no the the I played everything else, by everything the way. Else. I feel compelled to say, but you know. Anyway, the the golf, offensive tennis, line, soccer, baseball, basketball. <laughs> anyway, keep yes, go ahead. No, but the offensive line I thought played really well, and I think that's a credit to the guys that they brought in. The depth. I think if you would have seen injuries last year, I think oh, you probably would have taken maybe a step back. But these are guys that looked super ready to step into their roles, and a lot of credit has to go to Bill Biedenbow. Um, but the other thing that kind of think gets lost in this, and I want your thoughts as far as the opening night for not only Jalen Hurts, but Alex Grinch as OU's defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. This was a defense that you mentioned to me, you, you turned to me in the first quarter asking me, how many times has OU forced consecutive three and outs? And yeah. I couldn't tell you. I, yeah, my over-under for last season is one and a half. If it happened three times, I'll be surprised. And uh, I, in fact, I can't imagine it did unless, I mean, I'd have to, who was their first game of the season last year? FAU. It, yeah, I mean, maybe there, but um, anyway, yes, there there was two uh, three and outs to begin the game, and I don't even think there was like a, a horrible incomplete pass to an open guy. You know, I don't think those three and outs were handed to them. And then they gave up one first down, but forced a punt the third, on the third possession. Then it was another three and out. That was basically the first quarter for uh, Houston and so that was impressive and there were two tackles I don't know if we're picking up that cricket you're getting a cricket right now (laughs) yeah I I don't know if it's bored 90,000 people can fit in the stadium but we got the only cricket in this booth that's amazing anyway um I don't where was I going with this oh uh, Kenneth Murray made two early tackles I think he finished with 13 but he He was incredible tonight he made two tack well he was very good, but he made two tackles that were like, holy, you know, uh, that he made those tackles because it was the way he closed. And it was, and I mean, sometimes I think not being a guy who's played the game, not being a guy who can go too technical in, in what, and uh, how we would describe it, I may be better at making these points. And that is that I don't think we saw a Sooner defender run to somebody and make a tackle like that with that kind of abandon, with that kind of clarity, with that kind of confidence um, all of last season. Um, and, and, it, and it, you know, um, Lincoln's, Lincoln Riley said something in the interview room that I love the way our guys flew to the ball, and I wanted to ask him, but I did not think it would get, you know, the response I'm really looking for. I wanted to ask him, what's the intangible behind that? 
what is because what I would love to know is let's though we hardly ever saw it let's imagine a Mike Stoops defense playing very well and an Alex Grinch defense playing very well they can't look like the same thing because I think you have two different philosophies but I want to know you know what that was supposed to look like when it's good. Does it look like they're playing on the same edge they're playing as they were under Grinch in the first quarter? I don't know because I, I just have this in, in my imagination. The center defense for, for some number of seasons was playing a little bit scared and their coach was a little bit scared. And I, I love what Grinch has said about if we're going to make mistakes, we're going to make them at 100 miles an hour. And uh, I think you saw something different. I think you saw defenders that did give up 31 points for crying out loud but nonetheless you saw defenders to a Dana Holgerson offense and a really good quarterback in Derek King but only to say this isn't a defense that uh reinvented the wheel tonight I mean they gave up 400 yards and 31 points but there were elements of it that we never saw before and that you don't even have to be that smart about football because I don't claim to be that smart about you know to notice the layman can see it on the field. It definitely and that's felt, kind of exciting. It felt different. And one of the things that you noticed last year with Kenneth Murray, as high as his tackle numbers were, a lot of it was just guys would get an open space, would pick up 10 yards, and they He'd would be meet, the last guy, last he, line of defense to make yeah. a tackle. But tonight, it was so much different or, watching him play. He had like 20 against Army when yeah. that's, you know, but it was much, skewed. It yeah. was much different. And I hate the term flying around. I think it's cliche and coaches use it all the time. But when Lincoln Riley said that in the post game, I believed him because I was like, when they were flying around, they literally were flying around the way that Kenneth Murray was attacking the ball. And I talked to a few of the defensive players afterward. And the one thing that Kenneth Murray can do, and it's a guy that I wasn't completely sure about as why he was the big 12 preseason defensive player of the year. And I do think there was uh, not just that. And, I mean, it's hard to say he has a chip on his shoulder because – There is a cliche for you. People th- – well, no, people – and, like, Big 12 media thinks pretty highly of Kenneth Murray. But I think over the soft season, I mean, there's been so much talk about what Kenneth Murray can be, and it feels like he's reached a ceiling. It's just you kind of know what you're getting from him. But you're seeing a different player out there in terms of what we've seen before and guys like Curtis Bolton and uh, Obo Okoronkwo and Eric Stryker, guys that just give effort. Now, and going it does- on to Bosworth, he used to run sideline to sideline. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing – anyway. But yes. just as far as like recent – you know, the you know the recent linebackers sure. that OU's had, it's – and you need talented guys, obviously. But when you're just at least not taking plays off, it makes all, all, all the or, difference in the world. Well, I would say um, – if, or if you're at least, you know, uh, you know what you're doing out there. Yeah. You know, you're not you're you're not playing out of fear of what you might allow. You're playing with abandon. You know, I I just felt like Mike Stoops coached out of fear, and I think it reflected in his players. I saw one tweet of someone saying that Mike Stoops cost a lot of players money in terms of. It already seems like he the, probably. I mean. I mean, it's nice that we have a podcast forum because I, I'm sure I've written this at some level, but what it seemed like, I, I can't tell you the number of times and probably exaggerating, but it had to be seven or eight, where against Kansas State or against West Virginia or against a team that threw the ball a lot, Kansas State, it was all the different ways they would run the ball to drive him crazy. He would come into the interview room and go, well, I mean, you just, I mean, you know, they outnumber you. What are you going to do? I'd like, 
really? You're the defensive coordinator. That's you're here to tell us. And and he would make it say and it seemed like the way the game was officiated, he didn't think he had a chance. Just the way they just he coached there, as though there, he didn't have a chance. There's always an excuse, yeah, for what he was doing, and I don't think there's going to be any sort of mentality like that under Alex Grinch. It's at least talking to him as many times as we've had, he's just got this very, very disciplined and hard nosed attitude. And I know a lot of people have brought up just like you know the part of the country he's from. It's just a little bit different out there, but you know where he, is he from? Remind me. He's from Ohio. Oh, which well, you know, so is Mike Stoops. Exactly. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. But it, it, it's just interesting to me the way the defense played tonight because, as we mentioned up top, they forced three and outs on the first. They first they forced like four three and outs out of Houston's first five drives, and the fourth one was like a five play series that OU let up like a ten yard run or something like that. But you know, OU. Oh, you looked really good up. For, uh, the energy was there from the very beginning, and you saw the way that this offense was. It it wasn't the most consistent. I thought I thought it was interesting that Jalen Hurts brought it up in his interview with Holly. I Rowe. missed it. I had to come back and write. Tell um, me what. He, or well, I missed uh, that too. He he mentioned to Holly Rowe in the ESPN post game interview that you know it you know it wasn't consistent. You know at times it wasn't good, and I. I love that honesty from him because I don't think at times there were as much as when he made throws to a Charleston Rambo or a wide open CD lamb, or he took off for 20 yards. It looked great, but there were times with this offense where it was like, this is kind of different. And it's, you know, there were, it, it wasn't often enough to where I think most people would notice, but there were times where this offense did look like there's a lot of room to grow. And it, it's overshadowed by the fact that Lincoln Riley, as far as his play calling, I thought it was, pretty I mean pretty flawless tonight I, I thought he called a pretty good game and OU there were times where it felt closer than it was and OU would just kind of exert its will because no. talent wise talent wise it's so much better than Houston and I mean this is a Houston team that went eight and five last year but put up a lot of points defensively they were just as bad as OU was and so it's really hard to say how off it or how good yeah. this offense can be um, but to win 49 31 the way they did I think it's a good stepping stone to what they obviously not what they get into with South Dakota and or UCLA, but just as far as what they can do in their Big Twelve schedule, the fact that they were able to put up forty nine points, I think, is a promising sign. Well, yes, and uh, Hertz fumbled into the first half. Uh, took I almost probably, completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, he took took seven points off the board for OU and put three on the board for Houston, so that's a ten point swing. And that and, could have been a big. And sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but like would have been twenty eight. Seven and, and they half. would have and they would have got the ball back to start the third quarter. It could have been a thirty-five-seven ball game right. if all things work out the way you expect it to with this offense. But that could have been such a big because Houston was obviously gaining a little bit of momentum. Derek King had that really good drive in the second quarter where he just rattled off a few runs and then had like a twenty-three-yard touchdown pass to Kyle Porter, who made he made Trey Brown look really dumb on on uh, just kind of shrugged off a tackle, which was you got a lot of tweets saying, Ooh, that looks a little bit like last year. And it mm-hmm. did. There were, there were times where guys were whiffing on tackles, but they were at the very least in position, which is a little bit of an improvement. But, yeah. um, I mean, but you're going to get the, the thing I think to keep in mind, and I'm not trying to cushion whatever the OU, OU defense did, but they're going to go up against really good offenses. And what Houston had and Marquez Stevenson and Kyle Porter and D.R. King, 
those are great offensive players in an offense that that is designed for them to you know score really fast, play really mm-hmm. fast. And OU is going to get more of those guys as as they go along the season. I think this Houston and UCLA. I'm not I'm not even sure if the UCLA game will be a test after the way they played against Cincinnati. I'm I'm really not sure if Chip. Kelly's no, I don't think anything's there. a test until Texas. I just looked at the schedule. Well, they, even they do even have Texas Tech, Tech is here. Well, I mean, we do we the, the one thing about the, and not to get too far ahead, we don't know what Alan Bowman is capable of, and I think at times he showed last year that he can be really good, but he will short of another collapsed lung. I'm assuming we'll see Alan Bowman, um, but this OU Houston game was, and I, I hate to put you on on the spot like this, yeah, but was there it. was there a player of the game for you that? Just, I mean, is it is it Jalen Hurts? Is it that obvious that he was the best player out there? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, in fact, the way I began what I wrote tonight was he was always going to be the story of the game because he's Jalen Hurts and he's here and he came here from Alabama, but we didn't know he'd be the story of the game this way. And so, yes, he is the story of the game. And I don't, I mean, unless you want to give it to. Kenneth Murray for 13 tackles and two that knocked your socks off. So, yeah, I mean, that, that goes without saying. I mean, I, no, we don't know how this defense will respond when they play better teams. And I guess it's probably right that some a lot of uh, Jalen Hurts' runs were when things broke down a little bit and he turned them into positive plays. Other teams may not let him turn those into positive plays. Um and I think it's true that uh, there was a little bit of a lull in the second half and Houston kind of got things going a little bit. But, like, it was the blowout never the, – the true blowout never quite materialized. But it still – it just seemed like OU was not efficient as it could have been with the yards. Uh, it was picking up at some times. And for that reason, they scored – in the high 40s rather than maybe the low 60s. I mean, it, it, it they, they seemed like there was stuff left in OU's tank. Definitely. You know? I mean, this so. isn't – and that, I mean, that's kind of been the thing with, I think, Lincoln Riley in September is it's always kind of – you always are kind of wondering what more – what wrinkles can he bring to this offense. And it's a little bit more telling when 10 different receivers, as you mentioned earlier, get the ball. Um, but I, I want to ask you this as well. Is there a guy that maybe stood out that surprised you? Mm, well, I mean, it's not like my head has been buried in OU football all summer. So when uh, somebody named Jeremiah Hall scores the first touchdown, I'm like, well, really? okay. I was surprised he got the start over. <laughs> I mean, we as he much was first on the depth chart. I, I had to, yeah, I was I had to go. So yes, uh, I mean that was a little bit surprising, I guess, but. That, that's basically it. I mean, I mean, this is a very small thing. I think a lot of people might have thought when Nick Basquin shows up as, you know, Nick Basquin or this guy or this guy. Um, and yet I think he was thrown two, three or four times in the first half. He caught three balls as much as anybody else on the whole team, although they were only worth 31 yards while uh, Rambo was worth like 105 or something. Uh, it's very nice to see that uh, Norman Norris own uh, Nick Basquin now in his sixth season on campus. Um, he's he walked onto this place and he's made he's cracked you know the depth chart to be a player they go to three different seasons despite two season inning sur- surgeries injury surgeries. So I think that's great, but it's not like. But if they lose Nick Pasquin, they still have five other guys to throw to. It, so it, it's it, not like <laughs> a it's little insane. bit surprised. And I love the story, but 
somebody else would be catching those balls if he wasn't. It is insane how loaded they are offensively, and I, we, I feel like that just becomes just the norm at some point because yeah. I think we just expect it all. I mean, CeeDee Lamb only catches three balls. What was Two or three. I mean, it, he was, had, it was two or three, but he started with, I think it was 48 yards. To, it, yeah, he had a one-yard catch, a 45-yard catch, and maybe something else short. But he broke 2,000 yards as a Sooner receiver in the first game of his third season, which is pretty impressive. But uh, he didn't have a huge game. It's Might like, have to restructure your top 125 that's players right. list. Never, drop him to 92. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, CeeDee Lamb was not, you know, all caps CD Lamb as we have seen him so often. But on the day Jalen Hurts throws 20 for 23 for 332, it's hard to find, it's hard to go, oh, I don't know, they're not throwing to C.D. Lamb anymore. I mean, no, you can't say that. So it's just sort of, it's, it's incidental that he didn't have a huge game. I mean, I thought... It's when Jalen Hurts doesn't have a big game and yeah. C.D. Lamb also doesn't have a big game that then you are concerned. Well, as for a guy that, I mean, stood out to me, I don't feel like one guy in particular other than, I mean, Kenneth Murray stood out quite a bit, but I think the defensive line as a whole, there, there were times obviously where Houston had its way. But I do think that in terms of what we saw from pressuring Derek King into for he's not a great passer, and I'm mm-hmm. I mean he's not an, an all world passer like a like a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray, but the defensive line was actually getting pressure and forcing him into these bad throws, which was a big reason why they were able to get stopped so early, and mm-hmm. that was just something we didn't see a whole lot last year. If there was any bit of disappointment from the defense, and I mean I, I think that. This is probably not like a long-term concern unless it just becomes a trend. The Patrick Fields with a few kind of bonehead penalties was probably one of the weaker points of the defense. Mm-hmm. But it's odd because as mature of a guy as Patrick Fields is, and I don't know how much you've been able to spend time with talking with him, but not I, a lot. When, but, when yeah. I uh, I interviewed him when he was still a senior at Tulsa Union, and I, I've uh, you know talked to him a few times here at OU, and the guy's the same guy that he was in high school, and that's a very mature uh, safety, and he's a little bit undersized, and he was being physical and making plays, but. And something I would love to get into more about this, you know, quote unquote, speed D and forcing turnovers. I'm kind of curious if it lends to, you know, more kind of penalties. And uh, just as far as when you're trying so hard to turn the ball over, does that lend to you, you know, making, you know, uh, getting an unnecessary roughness call or a pass interference call? Because it felt like that at times. Well, I'd say it might, but it doesn't have to. I mean, it's something to watch. It's... uh if they, if they look terrific, but they're allowing you know three, four first downs on penalty that are unnecessary over the course of the season, that's an issue. But my sense, and I mean, this is just my my sense is, oh, he gave it 408 yards against a very good offensive team. That's uh, my sense. If you get a couple of turnovers, that's not a whole lot of yards. you know. And if you get a couple of turnovers, they score 17 points not 31 or something like that. So, I, I mean, I, I feel like this defense is predicated on, um, you know, the, the abandon we saw in the first two-thirds of the first half, I would say if they get that kind of play, generally you'll get a turnover out of it. And and I think the bargain you make is, uh, is, that, you're, is that you will give up some yards, but you're going to – but occasionally a team will – you know, go 50 yards, but for nothing because you turn them over. And I think what what OU did, the only thing that I saw defensively that sort of like, eh, is uh, Houston put together some real drives. You know, they move the ball down the field, 
but maybe that's going to happen a little bit. And OU was seemed to have it well under control at the times that happened, and uh, they were never in danger of losing, and they played terrific out of the gate when OU built its lead. So, you know, uh, a lot better than we've seen. Doesn't mean it's a snowball rolling down the hill, but it's all right. The, the one thing before we get out of here I do want to mention was uh, just the one thing that stuck out to me was the kicking game. Uh, Austin Seibert is no longer with the team, and it was very apparent. They got three. Uh, here's three guys were doing what he did last season. That's yeah, I mean, that, none of them were particularly great at it uh, for for having forty one yard punt. He only gets one try. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, the, the punter. <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't be so hard on him. But uh, you know, you you have a missed fifty or a fifty yarder, and then you have a missed like thirty six yard, which Lincoln Riley. To, to what you would expect from a guy like him, took the blame for the kicking game. Took it emphatically. Yeah, he, he said it was a stupid mistake, and he said, "Yeah, hey, I, I, you know, I thought about calling a, a timeout and uh, whatever you want to say about the kicking game. It's just it's it's good that OU has the offense that it does because I, I I'm not quite sure uh, what this team is going to do if it needs a, a late field goal. Cause you've just got so much inexperience well, it, there. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes, you wouldn't want the game to be on the line, even from 35 yards, but you know, we'll see, we'll see over the course of the season if, uh, or, you know, sometimes you, you never know what a guy's made of as a field goal kicker for three seasons. Cause he's never thrust in that position when it's really all on the line. But so yes, but it's not like, it's not like if that guy fails, he will have not met expectations because I don't think we can have any expectations on a guy who's his first year of the job. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. So maybe in my views are he showed cheap. plenty of leg, and you know Lincoln gave himself uh, a talking to when he spoke to us, saying that was a stupid decision to put out there. I love it when you. I love showing confidence in a guy, and I love that uh, if he misses wide left, though it would have been good from fifty-eight had it been straight. I love that uh, you can tell that guy don't worry about it i put you in a difficult spot and you show me what you can do so i I think it's okay threw him out there and i it's unfortunate he missed the shorter one so we'll just have to see my my view might be skewed because i stayed up late and watched nevada purdue who nevada came back from two touchdown a two touchdown deficit with seven minutes left and put in a true freshman walk on kicker to kick a 56 yard game winning field goal and nailed it just ice in his veins that's it's i don't understand why uh kickers miss as many as they i I would understand more if they get it blocked if they have a not the trajectory they want but i don't it's like yeah i I feel like crazy you've been doing it your whole life you ought to knock it through crazy enough the only field goal made tonight was by a man who was in the Chick-fil-A kicking for chicken contest and oh, won a Christ. year of free Chick-fil-A. Uh, so yeah, um, it was, a. I hear it. Cr- I, I couldn't see it well enough, but somebody described it to me that it crawled over. It was three inches over the upright and one inch within the upright. And it was a 15 yard field goal and he kicked it straight on. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this is never going to work. It but, wasn't pretty, but he yeah, is, uh, got it done. He, he's got Chick-fil-A for a year, but it's not Popeye's. That's for sure. No. Anyway, it's not progressive chicken sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that uh, that's a good note. That's a good note. OU winning forty nine thirty one. Clay, thank you for joining me on this game edition. This is fun. And your debut podcast. Clay will be with me on each of the post game podcasts. Um, 
sports or editor just Tyler podcasts. Podcasts. It's <laughs> it's a weird. You kind of added an es at the end. Well, it's a it's a it's a jargon <laughs> thing that like you said like we put out a podcast this week, but it's all the same podcast. And yeah. I, I don't I don't get why we do that. It sort of is its own plural, though you would never say two podcasts. So. Well, like it's, it's kind of like saying like we put out a newspaper. I yes, guess, in that's a way. right. When in fact we put out seven a week. So <laughs> anyway, but Clay will be joining me on the post game, uh, the post game edition of another UU football podcast as transcript sports editor Tyler Palmatier uh, chips away at filing on deadline, which is uh, not easy when and reading our copy presumably. Yeah, you when know. it's just, He's it's got more on display. It's definitely not as easy when we have these primetime kicks and on a Sunday of all of all days of the week, but uh, we push through and. Clay uh, writes, obviously, uh, did you do an in your head today or? No, we do okay. not. No, I get if, if there's this, if there's a Sunday other column that must be done, I do not have the in my head. Well, Clay writing for the Norman transcript does a great job uh, putting out all the columns. And I mean, honestly, uh, you know, Thunder beat writer, but a utility player as far as that everywhere also, else. Yes. So I'll be at a volleyball game near you soon i'm sure we appreciate you for coming on and we appreciate you the listener for being or for making us a part of your day and listening to this uh very jumbled and scattered post-game recap thoughtful detail oriented of of ou's 49 31 win over houston next week is not a not as sexy of a game against south dakota but it will be on pay-per-view so and it will also be the the uh the sequel to this jalen hurts performance which alone will make it interesting yes it it for sure will scrap together get some friends to scrap together 50 dollars so that you can watch the uh the the second part of uh what this ou defense can do which would you would think would be fine against South Dakota, who is coming off a loss to another FCS team, but we shall see. Um, but until next week, once again, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Wow, look at For us. Clay Horning, my name is Joe Bettner, and we'll catch you next time.